All right. Um, just going to start with a couple, couple pictures, maybe a couple stories from this past week. Uh, I have taken a break. I hadn't done it recently, but as we've been out knocking on doors, I've been trying to take pictures of uh, either very fun uh, welcome mats or uh, signs that are by the door. And um, yesterday, when I was out, I took uh, took Justice with me here. He uh, he and I helped. Uh, we stormed the neighborhood here. We had a great time, but we came across a couple a couple signs that I had not seen before. A couple fun ones here. One of them that I had showed you before is one that says something like. Uh, uh, it's a little plaque of wood that says something like, uh, friends welcome, and then in parentheses, uh, family by appointment. Um, and so that was, I found one similar to that yesterday. This was a, this was a good one here, but grandkids welcome, parents by appointment. So that's, uh, some of you might have people that feel that way about you. So, but uh, anyways, that's, that was a fun one. Um, let's see, there was another one here. There was a, you know, I see all sorts of different no soliciting signs or, you know, unless you're bringing me a bottle of weir- beer or a, a bottle of wine or you want to do my laundry, you know, please don't knock on my door. And so, but this one I saw was a unique one, and I don't know if it's, uh, you know, contractually, if it would stand up in a court of law, but they kind of had that idea. Let me see if I got my picture in there. Uh, it was one that said, uh, let me see, I'm not sure if I got it in here now, but it basically said um, they charge. $20 an hour to listen to anyone who knocks on the door. By knocking on the door, you agree to the terms of this contract and will expect pay up front. And um, that was a very interesting sign, but I decided not to knock on the door. I, I, I got a brother that's a lawyer, and uh, you know maybe it would hold up in law in a, in a court of law. Maybe it wouldn't, but I just decided yeah, I didn't have 20 bucks on me either. So, um, but anyways, it was a. I, I don't know if I have my picture on that. It was a fun one as well, but. Uh, Another place, obviously Halloween is in the air, um, and so I'm going up to these doors and there are so many different decorations of spider webs and snakes and graveyards, and uh, I went up to this one house that had a pretty elaborate spider web set up there, and I'm walking up to the thing and I'm actually having to duck under it. I don't know if they're trying to catch people before Halloween here, but, uh, um, and then as I'm walking up the steps, something, something moved below my feet, and I'm like, okay, these guys are taking a little too far here, and then I look down, and there was a snake, that, a real life snake, that had slid off the stairs and into the yard. And uh, I was a little bit shocked, because a lot of yards have fake snakes. This one was not fake. And so um, it, there's a lot of fun things going on out there. Um, but anyways, it's, uh, by God's grace, this week will be uh, the home stretch. Uh, you could be praying for me. Uh, I think the goal is set out to knock on 4,000 doors in the neighborhood. And uh, it's gotten so far, it's... Uh, 3,704 doors knocked on, and so there's about 296 left by the grace of God. Pray that by the grace of God I can get her done here, but uh, it's been great getting to meet the neighborhood. Probably won't be the last time I'm out. I feel like this one has just been introducing uh, ourselves to the neighborhood, but uh, we've got friends in other cities that have been going out regularly just to say, hey, we're, we're caring for the neighborhood by prayer. Is there anything, any needs that we can pray for you today? And just really trying to take things to to meeting needs in the neighborhood better. And, and I think God's going to have some ongoing things here, but I'll be very glad to accomplish this goal uh, this week to be done. So anyways, we're going to, we'll shift gears into Nehemiah chapter four here. Um, we are, we're going to continue in Nehemiah even after we'll, we'll do the baby dedications. And we're talking really relates to, uh, I think, breakthroughs in regards to families. We're going to talk more uh, Breakthroughs related to finances, uh, the one after that. Breakthroughs related to our church and, and the idea about um, the 
potential of adding a new pastor to help with some of these breakthroughs. And so um, we'll be continuing with this breakthroughs theme really for the next month or so, but we're going to hit chapter four and then, uh, and then we'll do some of those other special, special services coming up here. So, but if you, um, if you have a Bible, feel free to turn there with me uh, um, or else you can just listen in and then we'll have some of our, um, We'll have the verses and handouts. If you didn't get a handout, uh, I think we have extra handouts, or did we already find found a home for them? All right. And if you need a pen, there's extra pens here as well. Um, so it can be taking notes. And try not to look off of your spouse's notes, because uh, that's just not fair, you know. Um, but uh, anyways, let's just read this here. Nehemiah chapter 4, about overcoming opposition. What I'm going to do on this chapter is just going to break it up. We've got, uh, I think, four points in our handout. We're going to break this up into four different sections, and, and we'll talk about those sections, take some notes, and, and then we'll keep moving here. But this first one's really about the first three verses or so here. They've, uh, you know, Nehemiah's come back. He's got a team together. We talked about teaming up with others last week, and he's been working. They've been working together to build the wall, uh, to rebuild the wall, really, from the rubble. And, and here's... Uh, Here's how chapter 4 starts. It says, um, Sambalot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, What does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a day if they offer enough sacrifices? Look at those charred stones they're pulling out of the rubbish and using them again. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, That stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. And we'll, we'll take a pause right there. But, the, you know, these guys are just, um, it's mentioned three of these guys several times now. Uh, Sambalot was one, Tobiah was another. I think chapter two and other chapters mention a third guy as well. But these guys were seeing um, God's people get some momentum, start to get. Uh, the wall rebuilt. They knew that there were th some things at stake there. God's reputation for the city where he had placed his name was at stake. They knew that um, if these people got the walls up, they wouldn't be able to come in and, and slow them down and uh, you know mess with them. And so um, they began to oppose the work. They began to oppose the work of Nehemiah. And um, just, just to think about as you're looking at breakthroughs in your own life, anytime you want to try to get momentum, you want to break a habit, you want to see change in your lives, you can just know it's inevitable that you will face opposition. Sometimes it'll come from the strangest places. You just think, uh, well, everyone will be excited that I'm changing this habit. But once you start working on things, you're going to find out you have friends or others that, that they're going to start feeling a little convicted. They're going to feel a little guilty that you're doing something that God wants to bring a breakthrough in. Maybe you're changing some things in your life that should be changed. And some of the people closest to you might be like, you know, feel like they're, they're being left in the dust, left alone, left behind. And, and there's going to be opposition coming. And Nehemiah, you know, we see tons of examples of this. And so the first blank I want to give us to be thinking about here is, um, you know, really relates to this verse here, how... Sambalot, he flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews. He began mocking them. And um, one of the things you need to know when you're trying to get a breakthrough, especially a breakthrough that God wants, you are, don't be surprised by opposition. That, that's the blank here. Don't be surprised by it. Sometimes if you're like, wow, I'm doing all this, I'm changing, it's for good. 
why in the world are people freaking out? Why is this so hard now? You know, sometimes you can enter a season that uh, brings the things you never expected here. But um, we just want to make sure we're not surprised by opposition, guys. And we're going to look at a few verses related to that. First one is just uh, Jesus told his followers. You know, he basically said, hey, guys, if you're going to follow me, uh, they, they persecuted me. They opposed me. They're going to take my life here. What do you think they're going to do to you as you follow me? And, and he says this. He said, I paraphrase that, but that's John really John 15 to the end and in the John chapter 16 but just a few of the things here we'll just say and I'll just read a, a few lines from this but it says um, Jesus says this John 15 18 if you find the godless world is hating you remember it's got its start hating me this is from the message a paraphrase of this passage here as well just in case you're familiar with the other one this might give a fresh perspective it says if you lived on the world's terms the world would love you as one of its own but since I, I picked you to live on God's terms and no longer on the world's terms, the world is going to hate you. And when this happens, remember this. Servants don't get better treatments than their masters. If they beat me, they will certainly beat you. If they did what I told them, well, they would do what you tell them. These are all, they are all going to do these things to you because of the way they treated me and because they don't know the one who sent me. And he goes on into chapter 16. John says this to his disciples. He says, I've told you these things to prepare you for rough times ahead. They're going to throw you out of the meeting places. There will even come a time when anyone who kills you will think he's doing God a favor. They will do these things because they never really understood the Father. And I've told you these things so that when the time comes and they start in on you, you'll be well warned and ready for them. You know, Jesus wants us to be ready for opposition. Uh, not just in whatever breakthroughs we're looking at personally, but when we start getting about his business of advancing his kingdom. Really, Nehemiah is about um, how the Jews were trying to rebuild the wall to restore God's glory there. The New Testament version of that is um, God wants us to be building his kingdom together, advancing it, not restoring stones, but advancing in the hearts and lives of people. And when we get doing that, there is going to be opposition. And Jesus said, hey guys, you're going to follow me, you're going to take on my mission. Don't be surprised by this. Peter went on to say the same thing. He says, you know, he basically reminds people of Jesus' words as well. 2 Peter 3.1, he just says, um, It's my second letter to you, dear friends, and both of them I've tried to stimulate your wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember that the Holy Prophets, what the Holy Prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through the apostles. More importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth, following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? For, for, uh, from before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. And Peter just says, hey guys, there's going to be mockers. There's going to be scoffers. If you mention the idea of Christ coming again, people are going to mock you. People are going to make fun of you for that. And um, we just have to, again, make sure that this doesn't catch us by surprise here. That's what Jesus said, Peter said, um, you know, the reality is this is going on in places all over the world right now. We, I think, sometimes can take for granted the fact that we're a part of a nation that got its starts with godly heritage, with people that wanted to give people the choice to choose who they would worship and how they would worship. And that's what our nation was founded upon. And sometimes I think we view our Christianity in that little box, that little time slot in all of history. It's an amazing nation to have been a part of, to, to live in. 
But the rest of the world and the first disciples, a lot of people have never experienced a nation that was trying to implement God's values and God's will. We have, and so sometimes we can go like, well, I can't believe they're doing that. There's people in other countries right now that are in prison because they simply tried to share their faith with someone. There's people that uh, have lost their lives in other countries that just for doing some of what we are doing, you'd be thrown in prison in places. Um, I think of a story, we took a mission trip about probably five years ago to China, and we took just a handful from our church, half dozen, three girls, three guys. And when we got there, we did different things, but um, at one place we were at, uh, the women all stayed at a, it was like a daycare in the city we were at in China, and, and the men had different other places that they were staying with some different host families. But one of the women there that was hosting them at this daycare, uh, after we left, you know, it was probably a few months later, but the, uh, the Chinese authorities found her and her husband, and they were really using this daycare as a part of helping plant a church in that city. And, and she got taken to prison, and she had several little ones, probably, a, I think, three-year-old, one-year-old, and she was thrown into prison for over two years. And she got an intestinal uh, disease while she was there as well, so she was in pain and misery without her kids for several years. She had recently relocated. She's staying with some friends uh, in, in one of our other churches. She and her family moved in with them, but she was in prison for several years for just simply trying to, not in an outspoken sort of way, build, advance God's kingdom, advance God's kingdom, build, um, build the wall, if you will, and, and that's someone that's real close to home. We know we've got another friend in Nepal who was doing work in India, mission work there, but he got kicked out of India, and now he's in Nepal. He spent time in prison as well, and there's, there's things, it's already happening, guys. I think sometimes because we live in this little box of a country that was founded on godly principles, I, I don't think we realize it, but the life that we live is good, and yet Jesus said, hey guys, it's not always going to be this way. They killed me. I was perfect at what I'm calling you to do, and, and they're going to persecute you. And I think we just need to make sure we're aware of this. The more we get active in trying to share the gospel, even in this community, we're going to get people who will not respond well to that, people who will be very angry, who would mock us, who would scoff, and we just need to make sure we're, we're prepared for that. This one story of, of how I was caught by surprise on this, I remember back in our college group days, back in Fort Collins, um, we, I was a part of a church there at Colorado State, and our student group began to, to grow, and people got saved, and lives were changing, and I just remember just thinking, wow, this, this is amazing, this is awesome. Uh, you know, I was so excited that I heard my sins were forgiven, and I got a new life. I wanted to tell everybody, but not everyone saw that as exciting news. I remember one time there was this girl that joined our group, and she had been living a wild life before she got to college. She, she was uh, partying in ways that people do uh, in college and beyond, and she was doing that as a, a younger girl in high school and as a teenager. And so she got to college, and she met some of the friends in our church, and um, she eventually heard the good news about Jesus. And she became a Christian. She got saved. She got baptized. She started living a new life. And, and when she did that, the change was so shocking that her parents got concerned. They, they wanted to know what's going on here. Eventually, the parents made some calls to some organizations at the campus up there. Some of the other organizations said, yeah, that group there, they're a cult. Um, and, and so she came from the East Coast, flew out to Colorado State. I was on staff at the time with the church. And, and this girl's mom is coming and she's just irate at this cult and she came out and, and she met me and she met uh, one of our pastors there and we talked her through everything and, and she ended up she ended up deciding we were not a cult she ended up realizing 
Her daughter was no longer getting drunk and doing drugs like she used to do. Her daughter was no longer sleeping around like she was in the habit of doing. Her daughter was now looking into the interests of others, looking into God's will. And this woman who came out irate realized, no, they're not a cult at all. They're calling them a cult. They're just doing things that Jesus would want them to do. And she ended up becoming a friend of the church, I think a, a supporter as well. And so, um, But it shocked me so bad to think someone would call the good things that we were doing a cult. I was just like, I don't even know what to do. I, I want to cry. I want to throw something at you. I don't know. But um, I was caught by surprise, and it, it'll never happen again. Um, we're, we're in a battle for the hearts and souls of men and women. We've got good we want to bring them. We want to do God's will, which, which brings goodness into this broken world. And but make sure you guys aren't caught by surprise. You know, who knows what if we do things in the neighborhood and God's bring some revival. I've heard stories on the campuses where the newspapers just get involved. And I know at, uh, I think it was Ames in Iowa State, where the student group there that was a part of our association of churches, they, they were in the paper pretty much every day. And it was never a good thing. And yet all they were doing is what we're talking about here, sharing the good news, baptizing people, seeing lives change, building God's kingdom. And so... Anyways, I don't know when things are going to change in our nation, and we are already know the, the climate, uh, spiritual climate in our country is changing away from Christianity, but I want to encourage you all, be aware, don't be surprised, you know, just be paying attention to what's going on out there, because Jesus said, hey, if you're going to really follow me, guys, trouble is coming, and, and we, we don't want to let that catch us by surprise here. So uh, anyways, let's keep moving with this passage here. Um, the next one, uh, so these guys are mocking and scoffing, Nehemiah and the workers. Um, and so I love Nehemiah's response here. Uh, let's just read the next several verses. It just says this, verse 4. Then I prayed. They're getting mocked. They're getting opposition starting. And it just says, then I prayed. Hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. May they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins. For they have provoked you to anger here in the presence of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its original height around the entire city, for the people had worked very hard. But when Sambalot and Tobiah and the Arabs and Ammonites and Ashdodites heard the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall were being repaired, they became furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and to bring about confusion there. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. You know, the next point we're going to look at here is, um, you know, in some ways, uh, maybe it's not a surprise, but they responded with prayer. Nehemiah responded with prayer. Nehemiah seems like a guy, if you haven't figured it out by now, now was praying all the time. He was a man of prayer. He prayed patiently for four months before he approached the king. He prayed instantly when he needed courage to talk to the king. And he's responding to opposition with prayer. And so, um, obviously, that's a great example for us to, to be thinking about here and to follow. And so, you know, one of the questions just to ask you is when opposition comes your way, when things get tough, when, when something uh, happens, when you're trying to make progress and you think it's a good thing, what's your first response? your first response fear or anxiety is it complaining or grumbling is it getting angry or emotional and venting to someone is it despair is it looking to someone you always look to what's your first response when opposition happens 
Nehemiah's example is obvious. He just prayed. He just started praying. And then I love later it says, you know, this one says, Nehemiah says, I prayed. Then later in that passage it says, but we prayed. We prayed to our God. And, and we need to pray initially. We also need to pray, you know, I put corporately there. Uh, sometimes corporately, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean go to your corporate office and begin praying there. Some of you know that the Latin root behind the word corporate is, is, is what? Well, the Latin, if any of you know Latin? I don't, but I'm going to tell you one word I know. Uh, corpus, it comes from the word corpus. You've probably heard of the city in Texas, Corpus Christi. Latin for what? Body of Christ. Corp, corporation is a body. You know, the church is a, a body. Uh, so when we do something together as a body, you say we do it corporately. We do it together. And so, um, but we need to be praying on our own. We need to be praying together with the body of Christ. You know, and in some ways we're a part of the greater body, the church, uh, you know, with a capital C. But in some ways God's design was that you and I would be connected locally and practically with people who are, we're in the trenches with and we're praying together with people. And, and we want to just continue to do that. Things happen. Things get hard. We pray together. I think God's leading us, growing us, and praying together more as a church body, corporately as well. So another thing that I love is just we can pray honestly. You know, sometimes I think we have to pray spiritual prayers. You know, like, God, um, you know, we, we just don't share our true emotions. But Nehemiah, he, he did that. He's like, God, these guys are opposing us. They're trying to set a trap for us. Would you please put the smack down on our enemies, God? Thank you. In Jesus' name, you know, and he was, uh, he was being real honest. He didn't say, God, you know, I love suffering, and you're supposed to rejoice in, in trials. Oh, God, this is awesome. Could you give me some more, please? Um, he said, Lord, bring this back to them. Send them into captivity like we're just coming out of here. Bring trouble onto them. You know, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, God, God will trouble those who are troubling you. It's okay to share your heart with God. If you're already feeling it anyways, he knows but it's okay to bring it into prayer. Pray honestly. Pray initially. Pray corporately. And that's a great example we get from Nehemiah here. One verse just to throw in related to some of these prayers here is um, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. You probably know it, but it just says, Do not be anxious about anything. You know, someone starts accusing you of things that aren't true or um, would make you look bad or make your church look bad or whatever, um, it's going to create anxiety. I know it happens to me all the time, but he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Just think anytime we have things that cause anxiety, it's just great to channel that into prayer. I love he says prayer and petition. You know, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think about that, but I think about praying personally. And a petition is generally you get other people to sign on to a petition. I think about it again as praying together with others. When someone says, I agree, I sign on to your prayer. Amen to that. I agree with that prayer. We pray. And we petition God together with thanksgiving. And so we want to just continue to grow in that. And um, if you have anything where you feel like opposition is going on as God's doing things in, uh, in the church and in the neighborhood, we'd love to be praying with you and praying for you on that. So um, let's keep, keep moving here to the next section. Um, all right, uh, we'll read the, the next passage here. Next four verses here. Um, Nehemiah 4.10, here's where we'll start but it. Uh, it says, Then the people of Judah began to complain that, that the workers were becoming tired. There was so much rubble to be moved that we could never get it done by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, 
Before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. And so I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall and, and the exposed areas. And I stationed the people to stand guard by families, armed with swords and spears and bows. And then, as I looked the situation, over the situation, I called together the leaders and the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your friends, your families, and your homes. I'm just going to pause right there, but... The blank that I want you to fill in is just encourage one another. If we're going to overcome opposition, we're going to have to be ready for it, not surprised. We're going to have to pray, and we're going to have to encourage one another sincerely and frequently. And um, We're going to look at a couple verses just related to that. But, um, you know, the examples, they show three examples of things going on there. The first one is that some people were just saying, they were complaining. These are workers. These are people that are supposed to be helping out. And they're, we're becoming tired, and there's so much rubble. We're never going to get it done, Nehemiah. Never. You know, do you know that attitude? You ever expressed that attitude? Or have your kids ever expressed that attitude? I, I, I'm reminded of the old Sesame Street used to have a character on there, a scene where they had some guy trying to play piano. You remember that? And he'd play a song, and he couldn't get it right. He's like, I'm never going to get it, never going to get it, and slams his head on the piano. And, uh, sometimes we can be like that. We can be like, oh, it's never going to, it's so hard. And we just want to grumble and complain. And, um, and that was one of the, their very own people groups. Someone, you know, it was a subset of their builders were complaining and grumbling. And, you know, I just think about being in Nehemiah's shoes. When you have people that are complaining and grumbling, it's just no fun. Um, and, and then there was actual enemies who actually wanted to kill them and they were threatening them we're going to kill you guys you want to keep building this? great we're teaming up we're going to come kill you they were threatening them that was not the enemy from within that was the enemy on the outside there and then these other ones who are somehow hanging around the enemies I just think about this people group they're, they're hearing the threats and stuff and so what do they do? well of course they need to tell Nehemiah over and over and over again. They're going to kill us. They're threatening to kill us. Um, they're coming from all directions. They're going to attack us. Some people were being dramatic and negative. Um, but the, the point we have here is we need to encourage one another sincerely and frequently. And the alternative is discourage one another. You, you have ability with your speech to, to build up or to tear down, to bring life or to bring death. Each one of us does. But I'll tell you, the need that's around here, it's not bad news. There's plenty of that. We just flip on the TV and you know what's going on. We need people who have a heart to encourage. Nehemiah, in the middle of all this, he gathered everybody up. All this discouragement, all this fear, all these people that were grumbling, complaining. And he said, guys, you know, exclamation points on everything he said here. I love that. He said, um, don't be afraid of the enemy. I just imagine him doing some sort of Braveheart thing here. Don't be afraid of the enemy. You know, let's burn it. Bleed with me. Whatever. Um, remember the Lord who is great and glorious. You know, he said, hey, hey, guys, don't be afraid of them. And get your eyes on the master is what the message says. Remember the master. And then let's go fight. Fight for your families. Fight for the city. Fight for our God. And he brought encouragement to it. And that's what we need to be doing. And you have to maybe check yourself, check your heart, and go, are you a natural grumbler, complainer? Because there's other places, Corinthians, where, where Paul says, hey, by the way, you remember that thing in the Old Testament where they were grumbling and complaining? And 
yeah, God killed them. Um, and he has a whole list of three different things. He says, by the way, those things were examples for us in the New Testament. These things from the Old Testament, good to remember, grumbling's not good. They had idols. It was not good. Sexual immorality. And Paul just gives a list and says, yeah, they all died. Um, let's make sure we learned a lesson through them and not other ways. And so, um, but some of the verses just to think about here, guys, these are, these are just some classic verses on encouragement. I hope you know them. And if not, that you would uh, maybe just take them to heart, learn them. Um, one of them here, um, again, these are several of them in Hebrews here. This one says, uh, the Hebrews 10, 24, 25, it says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good, way, and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now as the day of his return is drawing near. You know, he's saying, the closer we get, guys, the more encouragement we're going to need because it's clear it's going to get hard. The New Testament is full of things that it's going to get hard for Christians, and we need to be together in the habit of being together. Encourage each other frequently is one of the points. Habitually, this one says that some are in the habit of meeting together so they can encourage each other. We, we need to be habitual with our encouragement, guys. If you want to be habitual about anything, let's, let's be habitual about encouraging others. The other verse here, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse uh, 12 and, and 13 just says... Uh, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily. One translation says day after day. Encourage one another day after day as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We're called to encourage each other daily. Got a question for you. Um, what's required? If you're going to encourage someone daily what, what's going to be required how often are you going to have to be around them daily, daily. Uh, that implies that you know back in the new testament we see the first disciples they did everything together it was a way of life they encourage you that we, we live lives nowadays that we kind of have it's easy to do we got this part of our life this part of our life and we got the little god part of our life and if i see someone if i'm in a good mood i might encourage them i might say you look nice today but the idea of habitually encouraging one another, making sure they're not, hey, how was your week? Oh, that sounds really hard. You know, can I pray for you? Um, life is getting harder and harder, guys. We're living in a nation that had godly roots, and, and the foundations are in decay, and they're decaying rapidly. In a world where you could just wake up, and everything around you was Christian, and there's Christian things on the walls of the, supreme, of the courtrooms or in the classrooms nowadays, those are becoming illegal in this world. If you just wake up and do what you've always done, it's not going to cut it. If you're trying to decide, I don't know if I should read my Bible today, that's not a big deal. There's going to be a time where reading your Bible, just doing the one-year Bible, is not even going to help you ante up to what you're going to face in that day. And we've got to realize, guys, it's we've got to be together as much as we can. We've got to be carving out time. We've got to be prioritizing because it's going to get tough, and it's only getting worse out there. And uh, we need to be encouraging each other daily. We've got to figure out how to do that, guys, and prioritize that. And it's tough because we've all got full plates, and encouragement is not high on the list. Much less encouraging others. Our own encouragement sometimes is not high on the list. And, and yet God wants us to be doing that daily all the more. Um, you know, just the, the last part I want to share on this one is just a couple verses that, that I think about here. Is, uh, Galatians 6, 9 is a... You know, I don't know what's going on in your life now. Maybe you're getting back and trying to follow the Lord. Maybe you've been following for a while, and it just seems like you're in the grind. 
maybe um, you know we're launching the south location here and, and some have been down south laboring for years and some of us just new to the south side of town but this verse I think probably applies to, to all of us here in some way or another but Galatians 6 9 just says let us not become weary of doing good brothers and sisters don't become weary of doing good got to keep it up for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up and you guys i just want to encourage you keep doing the good that you're doing don't get tired of it don't go you know i i've, I've done this for long enough i'm done don't give up there's a promise of a harvest a reward if you keep doing what you know you need to be doing here another one i love this um Second Chronicles 15, 7. It's a promise that I felt like the Lord gave me a couple months ago when I began knocking on doors. Uh, I didn't know how hard it was going to be, and the fun of taking pictures of doormats, you know, after the first week or two, it wore off pretty quickly. Um, and, but I was reading in my Bible just one morning, and this is a verse I read, and, and I took it from the Lord. I wrote it down, but it just says this, Second Chronicles, Chronicles 15, 7. But, at, but as for you, this would apply to you, and to me but as for you be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded be strong do not give up your work will be rewarded this was in the context of a time of, of reform that was going on in the culture back then and um, you know uh, I, I think it was Hezekiah but um, the, there was someone a prophet just came and told him hey you be strong don't give up your work's going to be rewarded anything you guys are doing things that aren't seeing whether it's a uh, wipe in the nose uh, uh, of an infant uh, the Lord sees that whether it's helping out in Sunday school around here whether it's whatever it is be strong don't give up keep doing it the Lord sees that he's gonna reward you he's gonna reward you for your work you might not see the results instantly but he's gonna reward you for the work I just want to encourage you guys we've got a lot of work cut out for us we're a small church uh, but I think God wants to do great things with us and Keep doing what you're doing. Keep up the good work. I think God has a harvest ahead of us here, guys, so your work will be rewarded. Last thing we're just going to talk about here is um, this. Let's just read this last section here and we will wrap it up. Verse 15 here. Um, when our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half the men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The officers stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The common laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and uh, we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to, to wherever it is sounding. Then our God will fight for us. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset. Half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to move into Jerusalem. That way they and their servants could uh, go on guard duty at night as well as work during the day. And during this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. So I just love this example of these guys. Nehemiah's like, guys, we gotta, we got to circle it up. we got to be working with one hand and, and carry a weapon in the other one here because our enemies want to take us down. And 
they didn't change their clothes for uh, you know for a number of weeks. I'm gonna just suggest, guys, that we wear what you got on. No, I'm just joking. No. They uh, they were they were going all out, um, and they were watching out for each other. And I love this. I just put the word here. It seemed like it was a fitting one for us here. But we've got to protect one another vigilantly. Vigilant is the word that I think Nehemiah gave us an example of. He said, "Hey guys, we got to be on on duty 24/7 here. If you're not working, you're on guard duty." If, yeah, there's time to sleep in there somewhere, I'm sure. They don't mention that specifically. I'm, I'm sure they carved it out, but we've got to be vigilant. And just a few things to be thinking about, to be vigilant about, guys, when we seek to protect one another. You know, we need to protect one another from, from the evil one, the devil. First Peter says this. It says, uh, be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour but resist him firm in your faith. You know, the devil, the adversary, uh, some of the translations talk about Nehemiah's enemies here as adversaries, um, but we don't face the same adversaries that they did back then. We face the devil of hell who wants to discourage your progress, your life. He wants to discourage our church. He's looking to isolate people. He'd love to get a Christian alone, isolated, depressed, accused, and beat up, because then he can devour them. And we've got to stick together, guys. We've got to fight for one another. We've got to not be unaware of the schemes of the evil one. You know, we need to protect each other from isolation. It's easy just to kind of wander off. Well, this proverb here is one that's a, you know, I always think related to this. But it says, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Sound wisdom would not be to set yourself off all alone, isolated. Sound wisdom is to stick together, especially in this spiritual battle that we're in here. I love, last week we talked about teaming up with others and we looked at Ecclesiastes 4. We'll just read a couple of those, 4 verse 10. Uh, it says, if one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You know, guys, we've got to stick together to fight, to fight for one another. And obviously, you know, if you're married or something, you have someone that's a, a teammate with you, you can fight together. But God wants us to stick together as a church, as a, as a body, and fight for one another. And the devil looks to isolate people. I'm reminded of the classic scene. Uh, some of you have seen the movie Gladiator before. Um, but they're, they're fighting in the Colosseum, which uh, you probably know back in the days, Christians were often put in the Colosseum to, to be put to death by gladiators, animals, or other things there. But these guys were in the Colosseum, and at one point they just they get all huddled up so they can fight off these chariots with these razor blades and things like that. And then one guy decides he wants to make a run for it. And he takes off, he gets out of the protection, and he gets slaughtered. You know, blood everywhere, classic scene there. But, you know, the reality is, is that's true spiritually speaking as well. The devil would just love to get someone doing their own thing. Being a, a Lone Ranger Christian, you know that you don't see that in the New Testament. There's no Lone Ranger Christians. Paul, the Apostle Paul, was single, but he was rarely alone. He did life together. He didn't even go to prison alone. He always took someone with him. You know, and we just gotta we gotta make sure that we're not Lone Ranger Christians. God, God doesn't use Lone Ranger Christians. Even these guys, Billy Graham and some of the others, they've always had a team of people around them so they could fight for each other. You know who loves Lone Ranger Christians? The devil of hell. He loves to get people off and alone and start accusing them, start whispering to them, and then getting them to own the thought he placed in their mind, and then beating them up, and the next thing you know, 
they're wondering if they should even be alive or not. We've got to watch out for that, guys. We've got to protect ourselves here, especially as things get harder. We've got to protect ourselves from gossip. Um, boy, we had a good session on that Friday night, right? Uh, I just love Drew, guys. Can I just tell you I love him? But, but you know what really gets under my skin about Drew is just joking. If you ever find gossip is often preceded by I just love someone. But let me tell you something I don't love about him. You know, and then gossip follows after that. So you have to be careful, guys, that we're not uh, speaking ill about one another. We're not being critical. We're not doing things that would, that would affect someone else's view of our character, of our reputation. And the devil would love to get us just gossiping about each other all the time. Oh, I really love them. Oh, they're so amazing. Now let me give you the gossip. Um, watch out for that, guys. It happens all the time. I was sharing Friday night there. I was at, at a meeting earlier this week in a situation that wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't responsible for pastoring it or something. It was some, some guys were talking OSHA safety stuff there. And one of the guys was like, man, I really love this project manager. But, and then he just starts going, I'm like, oh, if I was at church, I could say, whoa, 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 I don't want to hear that. You know, let's, let's stop this conversation. But it happens all the time, guys. And we've got to fight for one another, our reputation, our character. Sometimes we, we'll listen to allegations about someone that might not even be true, and, and it affects our view. And one of the verses, just to, to think about here, um, just Proverbs 16, 28, a, a perverse man stirs up dissension. A gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 26, 20. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Another one here says, uh, Proverbs 17, 4, A wicked man listens to evil lips. A liar pays attention to a malicious tongue. You know, guys, we don't want to be uh, listening to gossip about other people. We don't want to be speaking poorly about the brothers and sisters in Christ here. But just as bad as speaking poorly is, is listening. Listening ears to gossip is just as bad as lips that speak gossip. We've got to watch out for that. We don't want to be the person that's like, oh, that person's such a good listener. Every time I've got garbage, they just, they love it, and, you know, and they, they don't ever make me do anything about it. I never have to talk to the person that offended me. I, I just get to vent my emotions and, and gossip about somebody, and I'm glad you listened to me. Thanks for being a good listener. Um, make sure that's never you, and make sure it's not you that's on the other side going, I really love that person. Got that out of the way. Now let me tell you what I really think. We've got to protect each other. We've got to fight for one another. We've got to encourage one another here, guys. Um, we need to put on the full armor of God. You know, this, we don't have time to read this passage this morning, but Ephesians 6, verse 10, has a whole section of what we need to be doing to fight this spiritual battle together here. And so, um, anyways, I'm just going to close in prayer here, guys. Just a quick summary. Don't, don't be surprised at opposition as we're building the wall here. Um, it should not come to a surprise for any of us here. Respond when things start going south and getting hard and there's opposition. Respond with prayer. Take anxieties. Take those fears into prayer. And don't forget, encourage one another frequently. Sincerely, not with flattery, but frequently. Daily is what the scripture says. Encourage people today. If you find a day that's not today, you don't have to encourage somebody. But if it is called today, work to encourage believers around you. And the last one, we've got to protect one another vigilantly from the evil one, from isolation, from gossip, and we've got to put on God's armor here. Let's go ahead and pray.